Good morning, I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you for being with us today at South Park Church, whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to our podcast. We're so glad that God has led you to join us in worship. I want to thank Pastor Lindsay uh, for last Sunday closing out our series on Crucial Conversations in such a powerful way. Uh, we are truly blessed to have her as one of our pastors on staff, and I miss being with you all. I was uh, taking some vacation time with my family. Uh, Laura and my uh, our boys are in a year-round school, and so they were off for a week, and so I took some time off to be with them. And most of what we did during the week was basketball-related, uh, going to a lot of practices and games. They're, they're, they both play basketball. The years were kind of wrapping up. Uh, and they both made the all-star teams, which we were really excited about. And so that meant just a ton of extra practices. Uh, and then uh, taking them all over the county for these games. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, we, we had a good time doing that. And uh, uh, Nathan's team really did uh, very well. He was on a loaded team uh, that was rolling through the tournament that they were in. Uh, they were beating teams by like 20 and 30 points. And so uh, we were really enjoying that whole kind of process. And we got to uh, the game where we met the other undefeated team. This was a double elimination tournament. Uh, and we, we got to the game right before the championship. Whoever would win the game that we we're getting ready to play, we'd go to the championship and all they'd have to do is win one game in their champs. The losers would get booted to the losers bracket and they'd have to win three games to win the championship. So this was a very important game uh, for our boys and for, for, uh, for the team and the school and all that kind of stuff. And so we started out with an 11-3 lead, and we were feeling really good, and uh, the, the parents were cheering. Laura and I were sitting with the other parents from the other kids on the team, and we knew some of them. We, we were getting to know some of them. And as you're traveling all over, going all these practices and games together, you really begin to get this bond. And, and we found out that we weren't the only loudmouths in town. So we were really loud, and we were screaming for our kids, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, then the other team came back, and they were a great team. And so it was going back and forth and back and forth. And long story short, coming into like the last minute, our guys were down like seven points. Uh, our coach called a timeout, uh, and these boys had never been in a situation like that. And I'm sure some of the teams that we beat by 20 and 30 are like, uh-huh, that's what you get. You had that coming to you. But these are seven-year-old kids, it's seven-year-old boys, and so they were having a very hard time with the fact they were losing by seven with a minute left, uh, and it's going to put them in a lot of jeopardy having to win three games if they lose this game. And so during the timeout, all ten little boys sitting on the bench, um, and, and you could just see this dejection in their faces. Like, they were giving up. They were sad. Like, it's like breaking our hearts. And so one of the dads next to me yelled out, boys, keep your heads up. Right? You're in this game. You can do this. And, and, and that started spreading to the rest of us. And we just started cheering for them and clapping, saying, guys, we love you. You know, we're with you. It's going to be OK. Right. Thanks for all you're doing. Right. Just trying to, you know, energize them. And it was this really cool, transformative moment. Right. Those 10 boys and their sour faces. You could you could see their response to us just cheering and yelling, even though when they were losing and and, and just the demeanor changed. And it was like this this moment, this emotional connection between the parents and the players and the coaches. And they came out and they gave it their all. And ultimately, we lost the game. Uh, we lost the game by two points, but we had a last second shot that clanked off the rim. But but just that moment was so special. Like, I just felt so connected to those kids and to the parents and it's just emotional high. It's like, wow, right? This is what it's all about. Encouraging each other, supporting each other, you know, sharing that love and that, that emotion with each other. And as a pastor, as a follower of God, just in reflecting after that, you know, I just I had the question, can we have a similar experience of that with God? Right, a tangible 
emotional experience with God where we just, you just feel it. You just know it. It, 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 it changes you. It's, there's something different. It brings us all together and we have this, this connection with God. Is that possible for us when we can't see God in the same way that we can see each other? Right? And I'm guessing that your presence here today, whether you're in person or watching online or listening to our podcast, you're here today because you want some kind of an experience of God. You want to have that emotional connection to God. You want to have an intellectual connection with God. You want to know that God is real, that God cares for you, and that there's something bigger in the world and the universe than us, and that we want to tap into that. And I'm guessing that you're here and you're like me. You, you wrestle with that question. We experience different emotional highs and connections with people. Can we have the same kind of thing with God? I would say absolutely yes. But how do we do that? Right? This, this is the perfect time to explore this. This is in the Christian year. This is the season of Lent. It's the six weeks that leads into Easter Sunday. And Lent is supposed to be a time of reflection to kind of look at your life. How, how's, how's my life going? You know, a great question we ask ourselves in the season of Lent is, how is it with my soul? What's going on inside of me? How is my relationship with God? And am I close to God? Am I far from God? Do I know God? What does that look like? And so Lent is a great time for us to explore what it means to be in a relationship with God. And how can we have those tangible moments, those experiences of God that just, they transform us. They change us. They, they meet us where we are and, and, and take us beyond that into something better, right? If, if you're searching for that, if you're looking for that, you're in the right place because that's something that we're going to try to figure out together over these next weeks in this season of Lent. We're calling this series With Jesus, right? We want to be with Jesus. We want to walk with Jesus. We want Jesus to be in our lives. We want God to be a part of who we are, and we want to connect with Jesus. We, we want to hold Jesus's hand. We want, we want to be encouraged by Jesus. We want to cheer Jesus on, and so we're going to do that over these next six weeks, and and this is inspired by this really powerful study by a pastor named Adam Hamilton. Uh, he's a Methodist pastor, but, but, but you being here, says to me that you truly want to encounter and experience God. So how do we do that? Well, let's jump in and let's begin to explore that together. We're going to be in the, in the Bible today, in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms. If you have like a, a, a printed copy of the Bible, you open it up in the middle is the book of Psalms. These were, these were poems. These were literally songs that were sung in worship uh, that were written thousands of years ago by people like you and me. And what's beautiful about the Psalms is they express every human emotion that there is in our relationship to God. There's praise, there's joy, there's questions, there's fear, there's anger. There's, you name it, it's in the book of Psalms. And so we're going to dive into one of those Psalms today. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, it still speaks to us today like it was written yesterday because it's written by a real person just like you and me. And this person's on fire for God. And I want you to think about it in terms of, can I have this same fire in my heart for God as the person that wrote this song for God? So let's check it out, Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and with song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods, right? There's no real other God, but that's a small g because we tend to worship things that aren't God, right? God is the only God. God is the real God. In His hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His because He made it and His hands formed the dry land. 
Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So the psalmist says to us today, if we want to be with Jesus, if we want to encounter Jesus, one of the greatest ways that we can do that is to worship God. We worship God. And and your presence here today speaks volumes, right? You want to worship God. You want to connect to God. You want to do that through worship. Right? So, so what does it mean to worship God? We, we hear different things. We see different things happen in different churches. What does it mean to worship God? I think at the very most basic understanding of worship, is it's a response. It's something that we do in response to something that God does for us. It, it's a response. The primary and appropriate response of the creation, right? Those who've been created to the creator, right? Worship is that we respond as the creation to the creator. We realize, God, you made everything. You created me in your image, which includes a lot of goodness. You have given me life. You've given me breath. You have given me health. You've given me friends and family. You've given me a purpose. You want to give me life to the full. You want to give me life forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? My response to that is, thank you, God. I love you, God. I want to praise your name. I I want to raise my hands and I want to sing and I want to talk to you, God. I want to surrender before you. You've done so many awesome things for me, God, that my response is that I've got to let you know exactly how I feel. And I want to express that in as many ways as I can as possible through prayer and through singing, through the raising of hands, through clapping, right? Through giving you gifts, right? Through, Through being together in worship and studying your word, right? We respond to the creator who made us. And it's not just us, right? Creation does. When stars sparkle in the sky, they are saying that there's a glorious God that created them, right? When bees buzz around and pollinate flowers, they are giving God glory because they're showing that God has this incredible creative imagination has created things like bumblebees, right? And so when they bumblebee and when stars shine, they're giving God glory even when they don't know it. We respond to God because God is so good and God has created us. Right? Now, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, when we talk about worshiping God, right, we'll read the word worship in English. But originally, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and so they had different words for worship. So I want to explore some of those words because each of these words in Greek means something a little bit different. And I think as we study the words behind worship in the New Testament, uh, we'll find out what God means by worshiping. Okay, so uh, the first word, proskuneo, you guys are going to be so impressive when you you go out of here today and you speak Greek to people. They'll be like, wow, you're a a scholar, you're a smart person, right? right? This Greek word means the behavior of someone who bows down and kisses the hand of someone greater, right? So to worship means to bow down. Think about you know bowing before a king or a queen. You kiss their hand. You kiss the ring on their finger. Right? God is the only one worthy of us bowing down. Right? So so worship is to to bow down. Right? It's said in the book of Psalms. It's in the psalm that we read. Come, let us worship and bow down before God. We bow down before God because He's so awesome. Another word in Greek is uh, sabomai, and it means approaching someone with awe and reverence and respect. Like wow, God. You're amazing. You made the ocean. You made the stars. You made the sunset. You made my beautiful family, right? God, I'm in awe. This is awesome, right? We were respectful. We're reverent. The Bible also uses the word fear, not in in, in like the horror movie kind of scared someone's going to get you, but it's like, wow, God, you're amazing. And I need to let you know how amazing you are. 
Final word in Greek is latruo, and it means to serve a master or a superior. Right? Why do we worship God? Because God's God and we're not. Right? We bow down to our superior, to our master, but, but our master right, doesn't lord it over us. Right? Our master loves us and is with us and, and wants good things to happen in our lives. And so these are some of the expressions that we learn. We, we bow down before the God, the only God who deserves our awe and our respect and, and our reverence. Right? The English word for worship was originally written out as worthship. We got a picture of this up there. So God is worthy of our worship. God is worth it, right? When we bow down, God is worthy of us bowing down for. God is worthy of our all. God is worthy of our reverence. God is worthy of our respect, right? In fact, the reason we've been created, the chief end, right, why we exist, uh, is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever, right? We were created to worship God. We're created to give God glory and praise, and, and we do that now. We, we look forward to doing that forever. Right? There's a lady in our church that pretty much every Sunday she'll, she'll greet me in the lobby after worship service, and she's like, I don't want to go home, Pastor Kyle. I want to go back in, and I want to I worship some more. I, I, just, I love worshiping God together. I don't want to go home. Right? We have been created to worship. Right? And maybe the most simple way to think about worship is, is we're saying to God, God, man, I love you, God. God, thank you. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me family. Thank you for giving me friends. Thank you for giving me a purpose. God, I love you, and I want you to know about it. That's why we're here, right? To bow down, to be in awe of God, to revere God, to praise God, to glorify God, and say, God, thank you, and I love you, and and, and just amazing, and and, and that's why we're here. And again, we're hardwired to worship. We're created to worship. There's something inside of us that we have to worship God. Right? And, and if we're not worshiping God, we're channeling that worship into, into something else in our lives. Right? The, we see the worship uh, spirit in our lives spill out elsewhere into our lives as well. And I can give you some examples of that. Right? And I, I'm a big sports fan, obviously. I just talked about a lot about basketball. But, you know, if you had an outside observer come and, and watch a sporting event and then an, an outside observer come and watch a, a worship service in a church, you're going to see a lot of similar things. You're going to see that, that there's ritualistic stuff of when to stand and when to sit. There's lots of clapping. There's raising of hands. There's singing. There's chanting. Uh, there's even, you know, certain dress that you use. Right? There's a lot of stuff that's going on. There are even chants in sports that say, we're not worthy, and you've got people back down to the players, right? The players come out, they get introduced like, whoa, you're awesome. We love you. Way to go team. All that kind of stuff. Right? We give to God financially in worship. We give to sports a lot financially when we lay down the ticket price and we buy the t-shirts and all that. And, and I'm not saying that going to sporting events is wrong, but there's a very worshipful feel to that in our lives. We, we do that in concerts, whether that's a rock concert that we follow around, the Rolling Stones and Kiss who are still going at it, you know, and we're going and singing the songs and we're screaming for them when they come out on stage or whether we're going to a classical concert and someone's up there with a bow and a cello and, and they're rocking it out and we're just like, oh my gosh, they're so awesome. They're the best in the world. I'm so glad to be here, right? And it, it, it's a worshipful experience for some of us. We we also worship each other, right? We, we worship our children. We worship our grandchildren, our significant others, our spouses. Like, you look amazing today. You're awesome. Love you so much. And we put people on pedestals and we bow down before them. Or you go to a political rally, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, and it's going to have a worshipful feel, right? We cheer for the candidates. We stand behind the candidates. We go to our death for the candidates. And we're into all this stuff. And right, we're in the midst of all that right now. And we worship celebrities, 
right? We, we want to be like them. We hold them up. We want to we want to talk about them all the time. We send them our money and we're, they're on the news. And, you know, when Princess Diana died, the world stopped and right, Kobe Bryant just died. And it's a terrible tragedy. And, and the response to, to that death is somewhat worshipful. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with honoring someone who's dead or you know, lifting up your spouse or your child or going to a sporting event. I think there's just something inside of us that wants to give praise and wants to give honor and wants to give glory. But we have to be careful if we're elevating these things above God, who is really why we've been created to worship. And that itch inside of us that says you need to worship something, you need to worship something, it's not going to be scratched fully until we focus those emotions and those actions on God who we have been created to worship. We are hardwired to worship. If we're not worshiping God, it's going to be spilling out into other ways. And again, some of that stuff's not bad, but if, if it takes over, right, and it gets ahead of God, that's when we might get into trouble, right? And so when we think about worship, I think there's a couple of different ways that we do that. There's I worship, there's we worship, right? There's, when I say I worship, I worship God as an individual, Right, another book in the, in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, chapter 23, says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God, you are with me. Right? There, there are times that we worship God on our own. Right? We can worship God at home. We can worship God at school. We can worship God at work. We can worship God anywhere because we can do that. And, and the primary way that we do that is through prayer. We talk to God and we listen to God. We can sing to God. We can raise our hands. We can spend time with God in our, in our prayer closet at home or at work, in the car, driving right. There, it's powerful to worship God as individuals. We, we spent a whole worship series at the beginning of the year talking about prayer and listening to God and talking to God. So I don't have time to like rehash that. If you missed that, I'd love to invite you to check that out on our website and go back and talk a lot about that personal worship experience of God through prayer, talking to God and listening to God. What I really think God's calling us to focus on today, though, is, is the we worship. That in Scripture, it says God wants us to get together at least once a week together to worship God. And in Psalm 95, it says we and us and our, that there's something powerful about coming together as the body of Christ and worshiping God together. And that, that's what God calls us to do. And so let's think a little bit about what it means to worship God together uh, in, in this space or whatever space you're gathered in, if anyone's watching or listening on the podcast, right? As we are called to come together once a week to worship. So how do we worship? What, is, what does that look like? So, you know, stemming from our experience, stemming from the Bible, these are some of the hallmarks that I think that we're supposed to do when we come together to worship God. One of them is that we gather together on the Sabbath. Right, once a week. The Jewish Sabbath was on the Saturday, uh, but when Jesus rose from the dead, that was on a Sunday. And so as a Christian church started, we kind of shifted the, the worship of God to Sunday. And so once a week, we come and we worship God. In worship, we pray with and for one another. Prayer is a big part of it. We pray together. Cole's prayed today. Lindsay and Kevin have prayed, right? We pray together. We give thanks to God together. That's a big part of what we do, not just on Thanksgiving, but throughout every week. Uh, we sing to God together. Right? We make a joyful noise. Whether we sound joyful to other people, God likes to hear what we have to say. Right? We sing to God. We break bread together. We, we share in Holy Communion together. That's a sacrament that we receive. The Bible also says we're supposed to come and confess our sins to God and to one another. Uh, we're not going to put you on the spot to do that. You know, Come on up to the microphone. What have you done this week? We, we don't do that. But we do have collective prayers where we confess our sins to God. 
uh, in worship together. Uh, we also reflect on what the Bible says and the stories of Jesus. That's what the message is, the, the, the sermon is, hey, what does the Bible say? And how do we apply that to our lives? And so that's something that, that's included in worship. We also encourage one another to live a life of love and goodness. Right? That's why we have announcements in worship. Some people are like, well, why do we announce things in worship? And, you know, that takes up time where we could be singing and whatever. Announcements say this is how God is at work in our lives. Right? So announcements are a form of worship. This is God at work in our community, in our, in our church, in our world. Right? This is how God's working in tangible ways right here in Southport. And also we offer our gifts to God together, financial gifts. Say, God, you're more important to me than my money is. Right, so these are some of the things that we do in worship. And worship has some real benefits for us, not just for God. Right? One of the benefits is that it recharges our souls and our bodies. Right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm on my phone all day and, and, the, and the charge goes out and I have to plug my phone in. And I'm grateful that you, know, you can plug your phone in and still use it. But this past week, my phone was so dead that I plugged the, the cord into it and it wouldn't come on for like, you know, five minutes. And then when it came on, it showed the charging sign. You know, like I was just so dead. My phone was so dead. It took some time to recharge that. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I can't wait to get to church on Sunday because I need my soul to be refreshed because the world can be a tough place. Right? The world is full of temptations. We make mistakes in the world. We feel guilt. We carry that around. We're at work and at school, and there's gossip about us. There's people stabbing us in the back. There's pressure. People are saying we're not good enough. Right? We just never live up to the expectations. We're struggling with our money. We're struggling in relationships. We just feel beat down. When we come to worship, right, it's kind of like plugging in our phones into the, the cord. Right? God recharges our souls. And we find out that there is a God, that there's good news in the world, that there's good things in our lives, that there's a purpose in our life. There are people who care about us and love us and don't judge us. And, and so part of worship is obviously giving back to God, but God also gives to us in how we are recharged in our souls and even in our bodies. Right? Scientific studies show that people who worship God on average are more healthy and live longer. Isn't that amazing? Right? It even has benefits physically for us. Another way that I would kind of characterize this recharging us is that it's transformation. God changes us for the better. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. We come as we are and we leave different. We leave better because we encounter the living God together. And that's a powerful thing, right? Transformation is one of the three core values of this church. And, the, and there's two things that we do to practice that, right? We have personal time with God through prayer and reading the Bible, and we worship God together, right? Transformation is huge for us, and it happens in worship. Another benefit for us is that we build relationships and community, right? We don't just worship with each other in here. We go outside these walls, and we're there for each other in our small groups. When someone's sick, right, we take them a meal, right? The relationships that we have here also exist out in the world when we're outside of this worship space together. And ultimately, what it means is that we just, we connect to God and each other in worship, right? We connect to God, and we connect to each other. So what? So what's the point? What's the big idea? What does this mean for me in my life? What can I take away from this in my life? What, what's God trying to say to us in Psalm 95? What's God trying to speak into our lives? How, how do we get with Jesus, right? I think that we are with Jesus when we show up to bow down, right? I think that we are with Jesus when we show up in church on Sundays so that we can bow down before God. 
If we want to encounter Jesus, we've got to come and we've got to worship and we've got to give it our all. We've got to surrender to God. We are with Jesus when we show up to bow down, which means that we, we, we can't just show up. Right? Worship uh, is not a spectator sport. It's not something where we just sit and watch. Right? The worship leaders up here, right? we're not here to entertain, and this is not a performance. Right? This is a participatory event. Right? Everyone who's here is called to sing your guts out, right? to raise your hands if you feel led to do that, as someone else is praying out loud, that you pray that prayer with them, that we receive Holy Communion together. Right? Right? We've got to be all in. Right? We come to worship. We show up so that we can bow down. And we don't just give God our words. We give God our hearts. We give God our all. We truly surrender everything to God through worship. Right? We are with Jesus when we show up to bow down. We bow down in worship to God, to give God that glory, to give God the praise, to say thank you, to say I love you. So what I'd like to do is to challenge you to do two things when it comes to worship as a way for us to really show up and bow down before God. The first one is I want you to strive to get an A in worship. Now, what does that mean? Are we going to sit by you and grade how well you sing? Uh, do you remember the point that Pastor Kyle made? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I want, I want you to strive to get an A in worship, and this is what I mean by that. Uh, nowadays in school, that's my son Luke's favorite phrase is nowadays. Like I'll say when I was in school, we had to do this. He's like, well, dad, nowadays this is how we do it. Okay. So you need to learn that. Uh, nowadays in school to get an A, all you need is a 90%. Okay. When I was in school, you needed 93% or more to get an A, right? Nowadays, 90%, right? What I would try and challenge you to do is strive to be together in worship 90% of the time, right? 52 years, 52 weeks in the year, right? I want you to show up 90% of those times. Why is that important? Right? God said it's so important in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, right? We are to gather together to worship, right, every week because we need to give God praise and glory and we need to recharge our souls and we need to recharge our, our bodies and our batteries, right? And so... I understand. We're busy. We travel. If you're gone, right, we have online community. You can check it out online, right? We're grateful for those of you who watch online and listen online. Uh, if you do watch online, listen online, I would just encourage you not to do it 100% of the time. Try to find local congregation where you are to be around people, right, to worship God together. There's no substitute for coming together to be with God. But I would challenge you, strive for the 90%, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, because it's so important to God. It used to be that people would come to church every Sunday, right? But now the average person comes to church once or twice a month, right? Once or twice a month. Now, in my family at home, like Laura and the boys and I, we try to have family time once a week on the weekend together where we're, we spend time together, like as a husband, as a father, I spend time with my wife and my children once a week on the weekend sometime where we're not working, we're not doing schoolwork, we're not doing chores, we're just spending time in each other's company. And that's some of the best time that I spend in my life. And I got four shots of that a month, once a week, four times uh, uh, in a month, what would I be sending? What kind of a message would I be sending to Laura and the boys if for family time I only came one weekend a month or two weekends a month, right? This is our one time to be together with no other chores, no other, no other commitments, no other things 
impinging upon us. If I said, you know what, Lord, Luke, you guys are really important to me. I love you so much. I love our family time. I'll see you again next month, right? It's saying to them, you're not important to me. You're important to me a fourth of the time, right? And I'm saying this not to shame you or make you feel bad, but right, God created us to worship together once a week for a reason. It's good for God. It's good for us. And when we're gone, we are missed and we're missing out. So I would challenge you, right? Just as you strive to spend time with your loved ones, right? God wants us to come together to spend time with him and with one another. Strive for the A. Try to be here 90% of the times, whether it's online or whether you're in person. It's very important to God. It's very important to God, right? The other thing that I would ask you to do is that when you're worshiping God together, right, that we sell out to God. Right, that we truly surrender to God, that, that, that we, 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 we let it go, right? That we sing loud. If you feel led to raise your hands, that's great. If, you know, if, if Pastor Lindsay or I are praying or Cole or Kevin, right, you pray the same prayer in your mind as we're praying that, right? Like that we hunger and thirst to be here, right? That, that we sell out to God. We surrender. We, we posture for God. And, and, and that's going to be unique for you, right? How do you sell out for God in the time of worship? Only you know that, right? And so I would challenge you where you are, right? Take that a next step. Take that a next, you know, step on the ladder, right? How can I sell out to God and truly surrender, not caring what people think about me around me, just be myself, lose myself in worship to God and just surrender, right? God wants us to show up so that we can bow down before him. This past week has been a tough week in the life of our church. A very beloved member of our church named Becky passed away this past week after being uh, in intensive care for three weeks. Uh, She was retired. Uh, She had a heart attack about a little over three weeks ago just after she'd worked out at the YMCA. This was a fit person. She ate well. She took care of herself, uh, and she went into intensive care, and she had the heart attack. She had open-heart surgery. Uh, They had to amputate her leg. Uh, Then her kidney shut down, had to put her on dialysis. Most of the time she was in intensive care. She was out of it. She had a a, a breathing tube, and they were trying to keep her comfortable. Uh, And it's been a hard week for our our church family. It's been a hard week for Becky's family, uh, and we've really struggled with that. Um, On top of that, for most of Becky's life, she took care of her husband, Gary, who she loved so much. And they had beautiful children and grandchildren and so many friends. And Gary was confined to a wheelchair for most of his life. And Becky really cared for him and was a caregiver. And, and she didn't mind doing that. But being a caregiver, it can wear you out. And so Gary passed away just about nine months ago. Uh, and Becky, for the first time, was able to begin to travel and, and go see some family who live uh, overseas and just you know, really starting to do some, do some new things in her life. And so the news about Becky being in the hospital and in intensive care and having her leg amputated, all that kind of stuff, has just it, it has rocked our congregation. She passed away this past week, rocked our congregation. And to be honest with you, there's a part of me that didn't want to come to worship today. Because I'm just mad. I just, I'm upset. The last person in the world who deserved that was Becky. I'm like, God, can you, can you give her a break, right? This woman has stood by her husband. She's been such a pillar in the community. She, she and, and, and her friend Marsha, like they're co-leaders of the hospitality ministry of the church. Like, God, please just give this family, give Becky a break, right? And, and she passed away. And like, there's a part of me just, I, I don't have it in me to go to church and lead worship today. 
But there's a part of me that said, I can't wait to get to worship because I am so hungry. I'm so thirsty for God. I, I don't understand this, but I need God more than ever. I need to be with my brothers and my sisters who are hurting, who are missing Becky, and, and we need to worship God. And we need to not just worship God. We need to give God thanks to say, thank you for Becky. Thank you for giving her a long life. She lived life to the full. She water skied and she was a great mom and she was a great grandmother. She has all these friends. She raised all these kids that were friends of her kids. And man, she lived life to the full. And now she's in heaven with Gary and they're, they're walking around. They're running around there with Jesus. They're worshiping God, right? Thank you, God, for putting Becky in our lives. Thank you, God, for our church family. The, the, the church family that worships together, guess where they were? They were at the hospital. It was limited access to Becky in intensive care, but, but, but you guys were there. You were bringing food to the family. We were praying. You were writing Becky letters, and the family was reading those letters to, to Becky. We were on Caring Bridge together, right? We worship together, but we also do life together. And it was a beautiful thing. And we need to be here to worship today. I was starving for it. I, I was thirsting for it, right? One of my best memories of Becky was one of the last things that she ever said to me was in a worship service. And Pastor Lindsay was preaching that Sunday. And so I had the opportunity to, to sit out in the congregation where you are. And I ended up sitting with Marsha and with Becky. And, and, and it was in this service. And, you know, during the songs, I'm, like, I'm singing my guts out and I can't sing for a lick, right? You know, I'm just singing my guts out. I'm sitting next to Becky. And afterwards, she turns over. She's like, Pastor Kyle, you're better than advertised. And Becky's not a liar, right? right? But just to have the support, she's that, she's that much of an encourager, right? It just it brings me joy to come here today and to worship God, knowing that Becky's worshiping with God in the full kingdom of heaven, right? We're with Jesus when we show up to bow down. And I'm guessing that you're not here by accident, right? We're with Jesus when we show up to bow down, right? And guess who else showed up for us? Jesus. He looked down from heaven and he saw on the earth that we do wrong things to each other. We hurt each other. We hurt God. We bring guilt into our lives. We bring brokenness and shame into our lives. Right? Because of that, we experience hell, which means separation from God, separation from each other. Right? And Jesus said, I don't want that to be the way that it is. That's not why I created humanity. And so he left heaven and he came to the earth and he died on a cross and he came back to life. And when he did that, he defeated guilt and he defeated shame. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated hell. And instead, he offers us joy and peace and forgiveness and life to the full now and, and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. You talk about someone who showed up. Jesus Christ showed up. Right, if he can show up in that way, then I can show up and I can bow down. Right? And again, like I am so hungry for God. I'm so thirsty for God. And if you're hungry for God and you're thirsty for God, I invite you to get out the communion packet that you were handed when you came in today. And know that Jesus made this sacrifice for you and me, died on the cross, came back to life so that you and I, when we are hungry and we're thirsty for meaning and for righteousness and for relationship, that God came to do that for us. Will you pray about that with me? Gracious and ever loving God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, God, that you want to be with us, that you want us to be together in worship, Lord, that we can come and say that we love you and that we praise you. But most especially, God, when we are hungry for you and we're thirsty for you, we want to know that you're real. We want to know that you care. We want to know that there's goodness in the world, that we can come into worship. 
So God, please forgive us when we get it wrong. Please forgive us, God, when we don't surrender our hearts to you in worship, Lord. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross, Lord. It's in the precious blood and name of Christ that we pray today. Amen.